And we are live here on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. What's up, guys? Nick Scripp here on the P2W Fantasy Podcast in October, heading into week six. We have the start show that I do every single week. And before we get into that, as always, this podcast is partnered up with the Fantasy Points Media Group. It's a one-stop shop for everything fantasy football you are looking for with articles, weekly projections, rankings, DFS, a community discord, premium media, advanced data, and more all on one site. I have my midweek uh, mailbag show every Wednesday for their YouTube channel and host the Extra Points show on Sundays for Fantasy Points. Go check out the site. Well worth it. Use promo code P2W22 for a discount. So as I said, opening things up here, this is the starts show for week six. Excited about that today, so stick with me here. So the purpose of this show is to give you some starts that I feel will beat their projections and be of good use for your fantasy football team. So I try not to have the most obvious of starts for the week. I try to avoid the the Justin Jeffersons and um, uh, the Josh Allens of the world and, and try to focus in on guys that I feel like maybe you're on the fence of juggling, uh, starting in your lineups, and I'm um, trying to give you some reasons to actually plug these guys in. So recapping last week, just for some accountability, I missed on Devin Singletary. I missed on Robert Woods. I missed on Michael Gallup. Donovan Peoples-Jones was a wash for me. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater was injured right away, and my tight end suggestions did not play. So those were not great, but I feel like I did have a good week because I hit on Jeff Wilson, Ramondre Stevenson, Travis Etienne, Mike Williams, and Tyler Lockett. So overall, pretty solid solid week here. So what I typically do is go through uh, one quarterback and then a series of running backs, wide receivers, and maybe... Uh, a tight end or two. Hopefully they actually play this week, but we'll kick things off with the, the, uh, the, the stream for the tight end. So the guy I'm going to mention is actually not too much of a stream, but I feel like based off of his, his start percentage, I can mention him, but I want to talk about Kirk cousins because he's only being started right now in 42% of sleeper leagues. So, you know, for somebody that's rostered universally for what it seems like, He's not being started in in even more than half of sleeper redraft leagues right now. But he plays the Dolphins. The Dolphins give up the third most points per game to quarterbacks on the year right now and the fifth most passing yards per game. They will have their own struggles in this one, starting a seventh-round rookie quarterback in Skylar Thompson with Tua and Bridgewater out for the week. Cousins is currently the, the quarterback 11, averaging 17.28 points per game. Number six in passing attempts, number nine in passing yards. Only seven touchdowns on the year, but the 39 red zone attempts, which is number two for quarterbacks, stands out and says that things should change when it comes to that area of uh, his statistics with the touchdowns. His yards per attempt, air yards, and deep ball attempts do not shine, but player profiler lists him as number six in true completion percentage at 74%. So that's a good sign throwing to the likes of Justin Jefferson and, and his gang. Uh, coming off of a game of over over 20 fantasy points, I like his chances at a repeat or maybe over this mark again 
in week six. So Kirk Cousins, put him into your lineups for week six versus the Dolphins. Again, not a stream, so I know the uh, the screen says stream. But I will say with somebody being uh, started in under 50% of sleeper leagues, I, I do want to push for Kirk Cousins to be a good play this week. Second guy I'm going to mention, major dart throw, and hopefully I don't you know massively regret this one, but I'm going to mention Justin Fields versus the Commanders. And don't call it a homer pick, and it will mean nothing if you hear that, uh, you know, if you're hearing this stream on Friday or Saturday, it's the Thursday game, the, the Bears versus the Commanders, which some people have said that they are dreading, but I'm excited for it as a Bears fan. But again, if you, you are hearing this stream on Friday, Saturday, doesn't matter now. You can say, you know, it was smart. It was dumb. But Justin Fields versus the Commanders. So signs of fantasy life last week versus Minnesota. He was just shy of a top 12 performance, finishing with 17.02 as the QB 13 last week. He was leading the Bears down the field before a Smith-Marset strip fumble uh, that had me saying really bad words to the TV. But 208 passing yards this past week and a touchdown. 47, 52, and 47 rushing, rushing yards the last three weeks. He's top 10 in yards per attempt, although he's number 32 in passing attempts. So it's a plus for that, but he's not... Uh, been able to throw the ball as much as we'd like. Uh, top three quarterback and carries 109, uh, 194 rushing yards, making him fifth for, for the uh, quarterback position. Commanders are number 11 right now in points per game, given up to the quarterback position. I think the leash is slowly getting looser for the passing work when it comes to what Fields is able to actually do in this offense, even though that wide receiver core looks really, really bad. Uh, the biggest asteroid for me right now will be the protection against a team getting tallies in the sack department. So the commanders are, are a bit of a tougher matchup when it comes to, you know, preventing the sack and the bears do give up too many sacks when it comes to uh, uh, Justin Fields, but seeing, you know, some fantasy life last week, seeing that for uh, points per game to the quarterback position, it's not a bad matchup. I'm going to say that's my, my, my hot take of this whole stream probably is Justin Fields versus the commanders, but Kirk cousins, big thumbs up on him. Justin Fields really, really depends on who you are juggling right now. Switching over to the running back position. I'm going to go uh, Melvin Gordon here versus the chargers. So it is the Monday night game, which I typically am not a fan of pushing a start on this podcast for somebody Monday night, because you kind of have to wait for it. But uh, I want to talk about Gordon just a little bit in this one. 13.3 fantasy points last week versus Indianapolis in his first game post Javante Williams ACL tear. 18 total touches on 56% of the snaps versus Mike Boone, who was getting a lot of hype. He uh, he had 10 touches in this one for 41% of the snaps. So the Chargers give up the eighth most rushing yards per game. And the, I, I capitalize this, T-H-E in all caps, the most fantasy points per game, two running backs. James Robinson went for over 100 yards against the Chargers with ETN adding 45 on the ground. Damian Pierce against the Chargers this season, 131 rushing yards. Nick Chubb, who's been balling out all season, 134 rushing yards with Hunt sprinkling in another 47 on the ground. 103 total yards for Gordon last game. Maybe this is his uh, big revenge game against his former team with the with the Chargers here. So just seeing what the Chargers give up to running backs this season, seeing Melvin Gordon as the lead back for Denver, I like him versus the Chargers in week six. 
So I'm gonna I'm gonna put an asterisk next to this uh, this next one and pay attention to injury news, not just for this guy, but for all players. So I took some notes down about Raheem Mostert versus the the Vikings. It came out like three hours ago now that he did not practice today due to something going on with his knee. Could be significant, could be precautionary. Keep an eye on it. If he is limited going into the game and, and might be on a snap count or something, then I'm, I'm fading. But uh, this past week, 69% of the snaps with 19 touches. Gaskin had seven touches on 19% of the snaps. And Chase Edmonds, 15% of the snaps, one attempt. So Raheem Mostert this past week was the lead back for the Dolphins. It's looking like the Dolphins are going to go with the third string quarterback. Again, I mentioned this earlier, seventh round pick from this draft class, Skylar Thompson uh, under center. Mostert is running the ball great right now. 17 touches week four. He got a bump to 19 in week five, like I just mentioned. I wouldn't be surprised if he is right around that mark, if he's a full go given the quarterback situation heading into week six. 4.6 yards per carry and 6.3 yards per carry the last two games. 113 rushing yards and a touchdown last week. So coming off of a hot game. Vikings give up the 10th most po points per game to the running back position in the 13th uh, most rushing yards per game. He's a volume runner who has been efficient with the situation at hand and in, in with the Dolphins potentially leaning on the run a bit more with the with the uh, quarterback um, being their third string. Uh, I, I like Raheem Mostert versus the Vikings if he is cleared in a full go in this one. If, you know, we get to Saturday, Sunday, and they say he's a game-time decision or he might be on limited snaps, then we're going to pivot away. But if he gets cleared up, let's say Friday, he's a full go, then I do like Raheem Mostert versus the Vikings. Next guy I want to mention also has an asterisk next to him. It's Eno Benjamin versus the Seahawks. So the asterisk is going to be if Eno is the lead back in this one. Got my guy Larry in the chat. What's good, man? Nice to see you, buddy. Um, when it comes to Eno Benjamin, I'm going to push for him to be a good start if James Conner's out. We're not sure if James Conner is going to go right now unless something came out in between me coaching soccer in this podcast. But uh, this past week, James Conner and Daryl Williams both left early with injuries. Eno ended up playing 54% of the snaps. He scored a rushing touchdown, had three catches in this game. He had a pretty good fantasy week. Seattle is giving uh, a good match. Uh, it's a good matchup for running backs when it comes to the uh, Seattle Seahawks. They're giving up the six most points per game to the position and the most rushing yards per game. Taysom Hill who is a tight end, and Alvin Kamara combined for 215 yards rushing on the ground last week, Jamal Williams for 108 himself the week prior, and Patterson for the Falcons had 141 rushing yards in week three, and that's not super, uh, that's not typical of, of Patterson to have all those rushing yards. So obviously Seattle is a, a good matchup on the ground. If James Conner is a go and does not look like he's limited, it makes sense for him to be a good start for this matchup. Otherwise, if Eno is on an island by himself with no Connor, no Williams, he's a flex-worthy play in a good matchup versus the Seahawks. Next guy I want to bring up, Brees Hall versus Green Bay. So I want to bring up Brees Hall for a very specific reason. And that reason is that he should be in your lineup every week right now. The last three weeks, his snap percentage has risen from 
51% to 66% to a, a cool 69%. In these games, he's climbed from 14 total touches to 19 to 20. Back-to-back weeks with a touchdown. 27.7 fantasy points last game. He is the RB9 across the last three games. So everything is trending up for Brees Hall, who started in a major committee kind of behind Michael Carter to begin the season. But we figured, you know, the talent was going to win out. Nothing against Michael Carter, but as a prospect, Brees Hall was a stud. If the if the game script is to lean towards the Jets chasing Green Ball, uh, I'm sorry, Green Bay, I like his chances for a good game even more due to the work that he is getting in the, the passing game. He's the number three running back in targets. He's top 10 in receptions right now. It's not all screen plays and, and dump offs either when it comes to Brees Hall. He's had a few plays going downfield, which is which you know something you really like to see from the, the running back position. It's a it's a middle of the road matchup for fantasy, but I love the the gradual increase in his snap percentage, the volume, and his overall fantasy production in the last three games. Until anything changes, Brees Hall is a must-start player for your fantasy lineups on a weekly basis, unless you are like completely loaded on on running backs and then it you know turns into something matchup based last guy i'm going to mention devin singletary versus the chiefs and i'm I'm trying to go for a a um bounce back for this call because i called it last week it wasn't good but you know a, a lot is making sense um i've seen a handful of analysts come out with the splits of singletary in games that are tight versus games the bills are winning big his fantasy production is tied to the tight games, the close games. The Bills versus the Chiefs on paper should be a close game. Versus Miami and Baltimore, where the score was tight, he played 73 and 88% of the snaps. He had nine catches versus Miami. He had 96 total yards versus Baltimore. So knowing he is on the field to a high rate in tight games and that this one should be that, seeing his usage in these tight games, and also noting that the Chiefs give up the third most points per game to running backs. I like Singletary in a bounce back fantasy week for week six. So a handful of, of running backs right there. Uh, the one thing I'm just going to continue to stress uh, is to always pay attention to the injury news when it comes to the position. Um, you know, you should be looking at your lineups Sunday morning, just checking everything out. So we'll shift over to the wide receiver position. I'm going to go with Christian Kirk versus the Colts. So last week it was Marvin Jones Jr. who stood out for the Jags with Christian Kirk having his worst game of the year. Back-to-back nine target games weeks three and four, only to drop to three targets in week five. With Marvin Jones Jr. seeing 11 and Zay Jones seeing eight. So he was like the third option as far as the wide receiver group goes this past week. Kirk has had two poor fantasy days in back-to-back weeks, scoring under nine in both. Flashback, though, to week two against the Colts, who he does play this weekend. He had six catches for 78 receiving yards and two touchdowns, 25.8 fantasy points. So he tore up Indianapolis already. He gave your fantasy team a huge boost that specific week. Now he's going back to play that same exact team. The Colts are not the friendliest of teams, for fantasy to play against, but after two down weeks and having, you know, the confidence to say to himself, like, Hey, I balled out week two against the same team. This is going to be my bounce back game. 
I'm, I'm full with that narrative. Kirk was the wide receiver six across the first three weeks. He averaged 20.9 fantasy points during that span. I'd like to think being a solid fantasy contributor is more of the norm versus, you know, the last two games. So I'm all for Kirk having a better week, getting back in that right direction against the team he's already been successful with uh, a few weeks ago during this specific season. So Christian Kirk, bounce back game. Next on my list, and, and I'm going to own up to this one, but Jacoby Myers versus Cleveland. So I'll be the first to say I was very anti-Jacoby coming into the season. One of the biggest knocks for me was the lower ceiling we have seen in the receiving yards department and touchdowns. He scored last game, and weeks two and five, he had 95 and 111 receiving yards. So that, you know, it goes against my narrative that I, I was firm into coming into the season. And as a fantasy analyst, it's important to say, hey, I was right here, I was wrong here, and always pivot when it comes to both. So after missing two weeks, weeks three and four, uh, he came back right into eight targets. Then he uh, he was one of two receivers this past week pretty much targeted because Tyquan Thornton was uh, the other guy with three. Myers had 13 week two. So this is a guy who, who, after missing two weeks, came straight into eight targets with another guy, you know, having his first really go, uh, a rookie, only having three. That just shows that he is the go-to right now in this offense. You know, he, he's already had a game where he's been targeted over 10 times in the season. Clear connection with Mac Jones. It's, it's carried over from last season. Cleveland is smack dab in the middle for points per game to wide receivers. Looking at him being, again, the guy I trust him to see yet again, eight to 10 targets in this one, which would give him the opportunity to have yet another good fantasy outing. He's already had a 18.5 and 24.1 fantasy point weeks uh, the last two games he's played. So Jacoby Myers being uh, a guy that I wasn't very in on coming into the season, I am in on for week six. Next on the list, Drake London versus San Francisco. So he did not appear on the Falcons week six injury report. 49ers are a tougher matchup, only allowed two touchdowns to opposing wide receivers through five games. The passing volume was an issue for the Falcons due to them being in tighter games this season. Week one was the only time Marcus Mariota passed for 30 or more times so far this season. For Drake London, though, three games of seven targets. His high was week two with 12 targets where he capitalized for his best fantasy week with 24.6. That was actually a call of mine that specific week. The tougher the matchup, I think the better, though, for the pass catchers as game scripts will push Marcus Mariota to actually throw the ball more. I'm hoping that, you know, them not being in one score games, which I don't think they will be against the San Francisco 49ers, will mean that Marcus Mariota... Arthur Smith will push to actually have some passing volume in this game. Kyle Pitts was still limited on Wednesday. Patterson's on the IR. I can see London getting back to 10-plus targets in this game. He's actually number three on the season in target share with 33.33%. His importance to the team with that is evident, and I think he sees plenty of looks versus the 49ers in Week 6. Next on the list, Deontay Johnson versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I want to check back on this. 
top 15 week incoming for Kirk this week with buys. I'm all for that. My guy, John McGlynn chiming in there. Um, he's also saying Waddle might have a big week with Hill nursing a bad foot. So it's important to uh, check out these, uh, these slates and see who from the team might be missing. Like I said, with Drake London, like Patterson hasn't been super involved in the passing game, but he's a big piece of the offense. He, he's on the IR. Pitts has been banged up. It might be in the favor of, of London to see 10-plus targets in this one. Same with what John is saying. If if Tyree Kill is out, Jalen Waddle will hopefully see a target bump uh, after having not a great week. But Deontay Johnson versus the Buccaneers, the focus the last two weeks has been George Pickens, you know, the new shiny toy. He's stepping up in the offense. Deontay Johnson, though, is coming off of a 13-target week. He just didn't score enough fantasy points for people to actually, like, notice that. He's number seven on the year in targets uh, right now with 50. He's a player that earns them and in, in only has had one of his five games played under 10 targets. Number four in air yards uh, is a change as he was number 18 last season with Big Ben. He's uh, had nine deep targets as well, making him the number five wide receiver for that metric as well. So we're used to everybody saying, you know, Deontay Johnson, small A dots, short yardage gains. But right now, there's actually metrics that are saying that he is having the potential to have some bigger plays. You know, will will he always get connected with the quarterback situation with the young rookie? Maybe, maybe not. But I'm for Deontay Johnson uh, having the potential to have those bigger plays, plus added up with him getting some solid targets on a weekly basis. So Again, I'm listing another tough matchup here with the Bucs, but also, again, I'm going to note that the game script is going to be more pass-heavy. We just saw Kenny Pickett this past week have over 50 attempts. I'm not going to say he's going to throw the ball 50-plus times again, but knowing that uh, Deontay Johnson has been targeted at a 10-plus rate in all but one game this season and also been a guy getting uh, looks further down the field I like him in this matchup. It's going to be important for Kenny Pickett to establish something through the air. And I know George Pickens has looked really good, but Deontay Johnson is quietly the the number seven wide receiver in targets. So down weeks make people pivot away from guys like Deontay Johnson, uh, just with him not you know scoring 20 points on a weekly basis. But game script and seeing what he's getting and what he's earning in that offense um, for Deontay Johnson against the Buccaneers. Want to mention DJ Moore versus the Rams? Really risky pick just because of of the situation at hand. But maybe no Matt Rule, who just got fired, or Baker Mayfield, who is hurt, might be better for DJ Moore because you might say to yourself, like, "Hey, maybe things don't get worse for him." Week ten in twenty twenty one, PJ Walker, who is going to start this week, played eighty eight percent of the snaps, so he was the starter. He went twenty two for twenty nine. DJ saw seven targets in that game. The big question mark right now is how this offense is going to look in week six versus the Rams with PJ Walker and whoever's the the in, uh, interim head coach. Uh, obviously, could have looked that one up, but again, we're focusing in on uh, the players here, but. DJ Moore is participating on 100% of the Panthers' routes. He's had three games of 14-ish yards per catch. We know the upside of DJ Moore through his resume for the receiving yard department, uh, that 1,100-plus you know, receiving yard uh, outage is, is, is one that people reference pretty often. This could be a game, though, for DJ where the game script forces him to have 10-plus targets his way. 
how effective those targets are going to be from PJ Walker. That's the big like shoulder shrug right there. But uh, people are hesitating playing him, just not knowing how PJ Walker is going to look. They're looking at the Rams, but um, to me, it's a it's a good matchup knowing that the Rams give up the fourth most points per game to wide receivers, and knowing that there's a big potential that DJ Moore sees ten plus targets in this game. Last wide receiver, I'm not going to say is a is a necessarily a start, but he's somebody to put on your radar and maybe stash this week. But Wandale Robinson, the the rookie out of Kentucky for the New York Giants, he's playing the Baltimore Ravens right now, which is a good matchup when it comes to the wide receiver position. I'm not sure what his status is going to be going into this game, but this is a guy that was the second round rookie pick from the current staff. Some people have noted that, well, hey, Kadarius Tony was a number, uh, was a first round draft pick uh, the year prior, but you have to understand it wasn't the same coaching staff, so. You have to think like these guys that are currently running the system wanted this guy. He was the number three player in the nation for college football last year with with receptions. He was over a hundred receptions, so he's used to volume. He's a he's a slot wide receiver. Uh, Dable, the the head coach, is coming from a Bills system that heavily utilized Cole Beasley as the slot wide receiver the last three years. The wide receiver one for the Giants has been up for grabs with guys like Darius Slayton and Richie James and Davis Sills getting looks. There's a chance he is the wide receiver one once he's healthy. So monitor his status through the week. But if things, you know, change up and are on the ups, it's a prime matchup for wide receivers versus Baltimore. I think they're number two in points per game given up to the wide receiver position. So if anything, I'm saying stash Wandale Robinson. So maybe he's not necessarily a start monitor the injury, but if you have room on your roster, stash him because the the Giants are are pretty desperate for a guy to lead that wide receiver room, even though that, you know, the team has actually been pretty good this season, four and one. So those are some guys to consider. Again, it, uh, you know, injuries are going to be an impact when it comes to making those final decisions, but uh, I'm, I'm hoping you guys kind of see just the, the the reasons for why I feel like these guys should have a week of good volume or good production. So we'll finish all, off with the uh, tight end position. Uh, we'll kick things off with a, a guy that I, again, have historically not been super in on for fantasy, but I, I do like this season, and that's Hayden Hurst. He's playing the Saints. It's a stream option for the week. He's still rostered in under 40% of ESPN leagues. Keep an eye on him with him being limited with a groin issue, but I I, I have a feeling it's 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 not going to be uh, something that's going to hold him out. T. Higgins, on the other hand, may not play this week, and if that is the case, Hayden Hurst gets a bump. He's had three games now of seven-plus targets. Back-to-back weeks with a touchdown shows a connection to Joe Burrow. Burrow is top 10 in passing attempts right now, so there is volume to be had. If there's no T. Higgins, I think this could mean a solid bump for both Hayden Hurst and Tyler Boyd. Hayden Hurst right now is a top 12 tight end that you can stream. He's rostered in under 40% of ESPN League. So if Higgins is out this week, I really like Hayden Hurst. If Higgins plays, I still like Hayden Hurst if you're looking for a stream. Last guy I want to mention, he's not a streaming tight end. Um, he's he's probably, you know, 90-something percent rostered, but I feel like Zach Ertz is going to have a monster week versus the Seahawks. 
Um, I'm loving the potential with it being the number one matchup in terms of points per game given up to, to the tight end position. Week four, TJ Hawkinson went 179 receiving yards and two touchdowns. Pitts went five for 87 in week three. Ross Dwelly scored a touchdown in week two. Hurts right now is a tight end four on the season. I'm pretty sure that's exactly where I, I, I think I had him at five actually where I projected him being, but Ertz is the tight end four right now. You are likely starting him already, but I, I love to call a big matchup, especially if you are like me and maybe you're in a dynasty league and you're juggling Ertz between a younger tight end that's on your roster. He's number one in routes run for the tight end position. He's number four in targets and receptions, number two in red zone targets via player profiler. Three games of 10 plus targets. I'm calling Ertz scores in this one. So if you want to bet anytime score, Betted on Zach Ertz versus the Seahawks, and he's going to be a top three play for this week versus the Seahawks. Maybe it's a, a, a spicy take if he ends up being a top five guy, but that'll be it for this week, guys, uh, for the starts of the week. Again, the purpose isn't to say that these guys are going to be the number one players for their given position. The purpose of this podcast is to say, hey, I feel like these guys are going to beat whatever whatever they are projected to be at for the week and they can be very useful for your specific fantasy football teams. And I've been keeping a track record of this just for accountability, but the last couple of weeks I've been pretty hot with uh, with these calls, and I try to be a bit more create, creative each week and find different players and, and guys of different roster percentages. So hit me up on Twitter anytime, at P2WFantasy. That's where most of my content is going to be at. Uh, plugging away here. If you listen to this podcast, be sure to subscribe to it on iTunes or uh, Spotify. And uh, let's get some dubs this week, guys. Good luck.